Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. Well, blessed uh, Feast of All Saints um, to all of you. On today's feast day, we remember in a particular way, not so much uh, those who are in heaven who've been formally canonized by the church, the saints that we know by name, uh, but we have our attention drawn a little bit more to the unknown saints in heaven, uh, those who have made it there but who are not formally canonized by the church, which we pray is a, a huge, huge number of people, including, God willing, many of our family and friends who, uh, who we knew uh, in this life ourselves. Um, and on the Feast of All Saints, uh, as I was thinking about what to preach about, I was reminded of one of the doctrines that we profess every Sunday in the Creed, which is the communion of saints. And it's something that isn't talked about a whole lot, and I thought it might be helpful on this Feast of All Saints to describe briefly what the communion of saints is, why it's so great, uh, and how it affects each of us. So what is the communion of saints? The communion of saints uh, refers primarily to two things. In the first place, it refers to a communion of persons. And the particular persons that are uh, involved in sharing a communion within the communion of saints is anyone who's baptized. Anyone who's baptized. So if you've read the New Testament, uh, especially St. Paul's letters, you will know that he refers to any Christian as a saint. This is what you might call the generic use of the word saint. It's just anyone who is baptized. St. Paul writes to different churches that he founded or helped to grow. And he's, you know, he gives his greetings to the saints at Ephesus or at Corinth or fill in the blank. So when we talk about communion of saints, the first sort of aspect of this communion is a communion of persons. In other words, a shared relationship uh, among the baptized. And this communion that's shared among the baptized spans uh, from time into eternity. If you recall from perhaps years ago uh, in your various catecheses that each of you received, that the church is divided up into these three realms. We have the church triumphant, those who've made it to heaven. We have the church suffering, those who are in purgatory. And we have the rest of us on earth, the church militant, which currently numbers over one billion people. Right? So if you take into account the history of mankind, those who are in heaven, those who are being purified for heaven in purgatory and ourselves, the communion of saints that we belong to is a gigantic family. It is a huge family. It's a family of those who are still struggling to make it to heaven here on earth, including ourselves. It's a family that includes those who are destined ultimately to heaven but still have to undergo purification in purgatory. And it's a family that includes those who are already triumphant. We have family members uh, within this communion of saints who are already enjoying the vision of God face to face. 
Right, so the first thing I, I think on this Feast of All Saints as we reflect on the communion of saints is uh, the first thing for us to maybe do is to just be grateful to belong to such a rich uh, and really enormous family. You know, not all of us are blessed to be born into families that uh, are, you know, large. Not, not many of us have, you know, a large number of brothers and sisters or large extended family. Uh, it's also not that common, unfortunately, to belong to a family where just sort of the relationships among the members are all, you know, super wonderful. So it's nice <laughs> that we also, in addition to our biological family, that we also belong to this, this family of the church that, again, includes members who have, who have already made it to the ultimate goal. They're, they're already uh, in heaven. So this is the first piece of the communion of saints, just this big family uh, that we belong to. The second aspect to the communion of saints is that within this family, we share with one another what you might call different spiritual goods. And this happens in a couple of different ways. The first is that there are certain spiritual goods that all the members of the church possess in common. You might imagine it as uh, an enormous treasure that we all have access to that doesn't get exhausted, that doesn't belong to any individual, but belongs to all of us together. So in the communion of saints, we benefit from certain spiritual goods that we possess all together. One of these is, is what we would call the deposit of faith. All these teachings that we know to be true that have been passed down from our Lord uh, and then transmitted and explained in a deeper way by His Bride, the Church, for the last 2,000 years. We all possess in the communion of saints, we all have access to this deposit of faith, which is a, an extraordinarily rich treasure. We also possess in common the sacraments, right? The sacraments don't belong to any particular individual in the communion of saints. They are the common possession of all of us, uh, which is a, a, an extraordinary, extraordinary gift. And you might say, in the first place, the thing that we all possess in common as members of the church of the communion of saints that is most important, of course, is we all possess Christ. Uh, Christ is the head of the church. We are the members, and so we all have access to the Lord Himself. Uh, through baptism in a unique way, we have access to His saving grace. Um, and so we all, we all share in this treasure that is, that is literally Jesus Christ Himself. So that's the first way that, that spiritual goods are uh, linked to the communion that we have uh, with all the baptized, the communion of saints. The second way that uh, we sort of share spiritual goods with one another is through an exchange uh, of sorts. So a first example of this would be when you were baptized and when I was baptized, when we entered the communion of saints, we all received what are called charisms. A charism is a special type of grace that is meant for the building up of the church at large. Some graces are given to us primarily for our own growth and holiness. Charisms are not this way. Charisms are given to us to benefit other people, most especially to benefit 
other saints in the church, other members of the church. So somebody might be given a charism for teaching, another person might be given a charism for discernment, whatever it may be, we're all given these charisms and they're meant to be sort of transferred or exchanged or used to benefit the wider church, to benefit the communion of saints. And in a very special way, you might say the most critical, uh, the most baseline spiritual good that is exchanged or transferred or diffused from one member of the church to another is charity. Uh, St. Paul talks about this uh, in many different places, but perhaps um, the most clear place is in 1 Corinthians. He says, if one member suffers, he's talking about the baptized here, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. What he's describing here is that the spiritual goods I possess individually, if I'm a member of the church, if I'm a baptized person, they don't actually just belong to me. Just as my sufferings don't actually just belong to me. They affect the entire church. A nun in Africa who I've never met before, if she on a particular day loves God with a, a spirit of great fervor, that love is going to diffuse itself throughout all one billion plus members of the church and it's going to raise the level of charity as a whole throughout the entire body of Christ. It may win graces for somebody halfway across the world, and they will never know that until, God willing, they make it to heaven. Now, it's also helpful for us to be reminded that the flip side is also true. When we fail in charity, when we sin, that is not just something that affects us individually, but that lowers the level of charity that exists throughout the body of Christ, throughout the communion of saints, throughout the entire world. So it's a, <laughs> there's both sides of the coin. But it should, I hope, especially the, the charity piece, hopefully it inspires you uh, to realize uh, the, the opportunity that you have, really, uh, that when you do things out of love, when you do things in a state of grace and you do them because you love Jesus, that is not just something that's going to benefit you. That is something that's going to benefit one billion plus people uh, in a very real way. Uh, and so that's something that we should, be, we should be grateful for, that the Lord gives us this level of intimacy uh, with our brothers and sisters in the communion of saints. And he gives us the power, really, uh, to, to help them even by a, a hidden act of love that no one else sees. This is, this is the connectedness that exists uh, <laughs> within the body of Christ. Um, it's pretty extraordinary. And now when we ask the question, which of those layers of the church has the highest ability to affect others with their charity, uh, the answer is very obvious. It is those who are already in heaven. Those who are already in heaven, our brothers and sisters there, have the most power, if you will, the most ability to assist the rest of the church uh, with their charity. St. Dominic, when he was dying in the 13th century, he was telling his uh, fellow Dominicans, he said, he said, do not weep, for I shall be more useful to you after my death. 
and I shall help you then more effectively than during my life. St. Therese is famous for saying something very similar. She said, you know, I want to spend my heaven doing good upon the earth, right? So the ones we celebrate today, the saints in heaven, they have a particular ability to diffuse charity throughout the rest of the body of Christ. And this is where we get our understanding of the intercession of the saints, right? Just as you would ask a fellow member of the church militant to pray for you, well, all the more should you ask a member of the church triumphant to pray for you. They're literally enjoying the vision of God face to face. They want nothing else than to help the rest of us, who are their brothers and sisters, to make it to where they are, right? They don't have anything else to do with their time. Well, they're not really in time, they're in eternity, right? <laughs> like, so, so ask them for, for their intercession, right? Make use of your brothers and sisters who are in heaven. Remember that the bond that you share with them is infinitely more intense and personal than the bond you share with even your closest blood relative, right? We, we have to remind ourselves over and over again that the bonds that exist within the body of Christ, the church, within the communion of saints, far surpass any bonds that we might have that are strictly natural, strictly earthly, strictly, you know, of this life, right? So, so talk to your brothers and sisters who are in heaven, those that you know, also those uh, who we don't know, and, and ask them to intercede for you. Ask them to help you in specific moments. Uh, to, that, you know, they're, they're there before the face of God. Say, hey, like, can you ask the Lord for me for this particular grace that I need in, in this moment? Um, they, want to, they want to come to our help. Uh, so we, we need to ask the saints to intercede for us um, and then to take this back to the beginning, I would say on this feast day, just also try and be grateful uh, that you belong to such a wonderful, large, uh, beautiful family, uh, the family that is this communion of saints.